Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. I also serve churches in the areas of pulpit supply, conferences, retreats, and revivals as the Lord provides opportunity. If I can ever be of service to you or your ministry, I would love to hear from you. Uh, today we're going to begin a new study in the book of Jude, the little epistle of Jude. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the epistle of Jude. Uh, Jude, if I had to, I guess, uh, summarize it, it's about contending for the faith. Uh, in this epistle, Jude encourages the church to counter the apostasy that had already crept in through uh, false prophets. Um, the false teachers, false prophets had already turned God's grace into a license to do as they pleased. And he does this by reminding them about how God dealt with disobedience in times past. For example, he looks at the, the, the children of Israel and how they did not believe and died in the wilderness. He looks at the disobedient angels and how they lost their first estate or was cast out of heaven. And then he looks at Sodom and Gomorrah and shows how God uh, brought judgment upon them for their disobedience. So let's look in uh, verse number one, Jude the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So we're going to focus on that verse today. Uh, the author of this book was Jude, the brother of Jesus. Now this verse immediately, uh, well, number one, we're going to establish that that be the case. And if it be the case, then it challenges the teaching of the Catholic Church in regards to the perpetual virginity of Mary, uh, which is a doctrine uh, that was uh, invented by the Roman Church uh, that says that Mary was a virgin even after the birth of Jesus. Uh, however, if you look at the preponderance of Scripture, it doesn't bear this out. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 55 says very clearly they ask, is not this the carpenter's son? Referring to Jesus, speaking of Joseph. Is not his mother Mary and his brothers, plural, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, plural, so we know there was more than one, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get these things? So obviously Jesus had four brothers and at least two sisters. Now, of course, the big difference here between Jesus and his brothers is that while they all had the same mother, they had different fathers. Uh, Jesus' father, Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. His, he is the Son of God. And yet, at the same time, the Son of Man. We call that the hypostatic union. 100% man, 100% God had to be both. Uh, he could be 100% man and yet 100% God and maintain all of his deity. So again, I mean, right off the bat, we see that there's a challenge here to the teaching of, of the perpetual virginity of Mary that is, um, that is perpetuated by the Roman, the Roman church. We also see mentioned here, James, the brother of Jude, the half brother of Jesus. 
Now, so it says Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. Now, if he, if Jude is the brother of James and James is one of the brothers of Jesus, then that makes Jude a brother of Jesus. This is the same James, the famous pastor of the church at Jerusalem, who spoke to the council in Acts chapter number, uh, chapter number 15. Um, you know, another point worth bearing out at this time is that Jude, like his brothers, uh, probably did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was until sometime after his resurrection. Because the writer of John, John the beloved apostle in John 7, 5 says, even his brothers did not believe in him. But yet at the resurrection in Acts chapter 1, verse number 14, and these all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren in the upper room, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So we get, we get a lot just out of this verse, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, which I think it would be a little immodest or not very humble, if you will, if he would have said Jude, the brother of Jesus. Instead, what he wants to do is establish the fact that before being a brother of Jesus, he is the servant of Jesus. And then he draws the connection with James, which of course loops back around and shows that he and James are one and you know, are both the brothers of Jesus. And then he goes on and says, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. And that's where we're going to focus a little bit uh, for the remainder of our time together. Uh, these three aspects or the re these three characteristics of a Christian. They are sanctified, they are preserved, and they are called. First, the word sanctified. It means to be set apart, consecrated for God's purposes. Um, that's what the word sanctified means. Now, this begs the question, how then are we sanctified? Well, the Bible answers that in John 17, 17, when Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So how are we sanctified? Through the truth. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Sanctification, true holiness, to true consecratedness, if that is a word, comes about through the Word of God. As we begin to know and understand the Bible, we become sanctified. We become set apart. We become consecrated. Everything we know about the living Word is found in the written Word. So if you want to know Jesus, then you have to know the Word of God. And the more we know the Word of God, the more we become like Jesus. You see, you see a lot of Christians run around not behaving like Christians. Why? Because they do not know the Word of God, or they have simply chosen to ignore it. Um, Paul said while speaking to the men of Ephesus in regards to their husbands, he's, in, in regards to their wives, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify how and cleanse her how? By the washing of the water of the word. That is why much emphasis must be placed upon the teaching of the Bible because there is a direct correlation between sanctification 
and your knowledge of Scripture. It's only when we sit under the teaching of the Word of God week after week, day after day, that we are cleansed, that we are sanctified. In essence, sitting under the teaching of the Word of God is like taking a shower. How long, may I ask you, has it been since you've taken a good shower? Um, I'm afraid that for many Christians, it's been far too long in their beginning to smell. And then secondly, he says, and preserved. So they're sanctified and they're preserved. So the characteristic of the second characteristic of Christian is they are not only sanctified, but they're preserved. The word preserved means saved from injury, destruction, or decay. You know, Paul said to the Ephesians in chapter 430, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That word sealed, he places a seal. Why? To preserve us for the day of redemption. God spoke to Abraham and said, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. In other words, I am your protector. I am the one that will preserve you. I will be the one that will take care of you. David cried out, many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God, but you, but thou, O Lord, you are a shield for me. You're my glory. You're the one that lifts up my head in Psalm 3. So the bottom line is that God keeps them in perfect peace. He keeps them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. We are preserved, we are sealed, we are, we are guarded, we are protected. You know, when speaking of the issue of preservation, we come to the issue in the church today in, in regards to, the, to eternal security of the believer and what some would call the perseverance or the perseverance of the saints. Now, whatever you choose to call it, to go to the extreme, I believe, is to take our eyes off of the cross. We begin to major in the minors, and that's that's not good. Yes, if you're truly saved, you're truly always saved. Yes, if you persevere, then that means that you're truly saved. And no, if you don't persevere, then you were never saved. Uh, I do not think for one minute that you can gain salvation and lose it. You gain it by faith. To say that you can gain something by faith and grace and lose it by works is a contradiction. Now, if you could gain it by works, certainly you could lose it by works, but you can't gain it by works. Not of works of righteousness that we have done, but by his grace are ye saved. We're saved by the grace of God. We're saved by grace through faith. So you can't gain it by faith and lose it by works. Um, and you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time arguing over this matter. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we are predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. He has saved us to be, we have, it's already pre, been predetermined that when we're saved, we are going to be conformed into the image of Christ. And certainly that's going to happen by the process of sanctification. And then ultimately by the process of glorification when we are in his presence. So again, I, I do not believe that you can lose your salvation. Uh, the Bible in uh, the epistle of John says they went out from us, uh, 
they went out from us because they were not of us. Had they been of us, they would no doubt have left us. Uh, again, I just think we live in a day where we have a lot of people who we believe are Christians. They walk away or seemingly walk away from the faith. And the only explanation we can come up with is that they've lost something. Well, I don't think they ever found it because had they ever found it, they would not have left it. If they find the real thing, they're not going to walk away from it. Maybe they walked away from um, the church. Maybe they walked away from something they thought was of God, but uh, ultimately they didn't have it because had they, as a matter of fact, there's a, you know, and I've done this before with you guys. Uh, there's a verse. Um, it's in, it's definitely in first John. Uh, it's about, um, uh, left us. Let's see. Let's see where that verse is. Uh, they left us, um, out from us. Uh, let me see. They went out from us for had they been of us, they would no doubt. First John chapter two, verse number 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. I don't know how much clearer that can get. The Bible says we have been called or we have been sanctified and we have been preserved preserved, saved from injury, destruction, or decay. We'll look at the word called in our next study together. God bless you. I hope you remember, always remember God loves you, wants the best for you, working all things out for your good.